John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, we've only got one movie to review for the whole week, and it's Transformers The Last Night. Let's get this over with. Not gonna lie to you folks, uh, in the process of recording this, I actually spent a half hour or so just screwing around on Facebook instead of putting my nose to the grindstone and just actually talking about this thing, because, like, I mentioned Doug's thing uh, before, Doug Walker's video, where he, um, it was this, an editorial about how he predicted the fifth Transformers movie would go and how he said he's not going to do any more of those uh, tradition, you know, and he's not going to continue the, the tradition of reviewing Transformers movies like the what, be, what would become the, uh, the Chester A. Bum and the Bum Reviews. And he's absolutely right, because ultimately, everything he said in that video pretty much came true. Like, all of his predictions were on point, for the most part. I don't think there was anything really that, unless there was something he missed, most of what he predicted is what happened. It's that, because that's the thing. This, this series does not try to go any further with its, with, with in the right areas, in the sense that, It'll continue building on its convoluted story, but it won't really develop the characters. All of the characters are still the same stereotypes they've always been. Mark Wahlberg replaced Sam Witwicky as the stereotypical protagonist. You've got stereotypical female characters who aren't anything besides, you know, good-looking. They've tried to replace uh, Sam by having a young preteen, like early teenagers... A teenage girl but even then like she's barely in the movie like that girl who says i want to stay and i want to fight she's gone after the first act it doesn't show up until the very end to just hang around for no reason like she's hardly in the movie this is still mark Wahlberg's movie ultimately and then anthony hopkins is here to embarrass himself the same way uh, i like compared to orson wells as unicron in the transformers animated movie Anthony Hopkins is way more embarrassing in this role. God, it's just... Like, as much as I remember him complaining he didn't like playing Odin in Thor, that he thought that was beneath him, apparently he hit rock bottom because there's no reason for this kind of buffoonery that he's going here. Like, he's, you know, they're making him try to talk like a frat bro in some cases. They're, they take a moment out of the film to talk about Mark Wahlberg's sex life for no reason. Other than to be like, hey, Mark Wahlberg hasn't had a lot of sex lately, eh, 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 isn't that funny? Eh? No, it's not. That's not a joke. That's not how jokes work. But, it, yeah, the basic premise here is that we're retconning it again. So now, King Arthur was a real person, and he had Transformers. There were, there were Transformers in the era of King Arthur. Because why not? Apparently people will 
do anything. We had prehistoric dinosaur transformers. We had Dawn of Man, 2001 A Space Odyssey era transformers. And now we have K Arthur transformers. Because why? Why not? Because who, who really cares? Who really gives a crap anymore? Um, and then it turns out Mark Wahlberg was chosen to be the last knight in this or order of the Transformers of the Round Table or something. And they have to go and find Merlin's staff, which is some kind of Cybertronian artifact that allows Cybertron to funnel off Energon in order to reform itself from the Earth, which is now Unicron. Instead of Unicron being its own entity, the Earth is now Unicron. I would say spoilers, but do you really care about spoilers for these movies? I mean, I feel like we're at a point where it doesn't matter. It just like the, the the filmmakers don't care. The writers are just throw whatever they that comes out of their brains at the at the page. And Michael Bay obviously doesn't give a crap about you know any kind of uh, continuity or or anything of that nature. So does it really matter? What can I spoil this movie? Really, can you spoil something that people don't give a crap about? Anyway, yeah, I'm. I really, I feel like this is going to be the shortest review, and quite possibly the shortest episode, since it's the only movie I was able to get to see this whole weekend. And I just don't have anything. I have no words for these for this series anymore. I mean, I, I, I know Lindsay Ellis is doing her, you know, is going into her, you know, how, you know, uh, analyzation of the movie, but ultimately. Does it really matter? Because it, it, nobody really cares. Nobody, it doesn't really matter what this movie says or does or anything. It's just, ju it's just generic garbage. And until they switch that up, that's not going to change. And like I said before, it's not, that's not going to change as long as people pay to see it. And unfortunately, people are paying to see this movie, whether they're fa they're whether they enjoy the action moments or whether they don't really care about what's going on. It's just, you know, ju it's just mindless fun to them. It's, it's brain, it's that kind of brain candy where you don't really like, you don't really think about it. It's just generic and, and, and fast moving and jingling keys that your brain can kind of turn itself off and enjoy I don't know, but, but, you know, as long as people pay to see this franchise, it's going to continue in this direction. The only way to make a change is for people to stop supporting what they're doing already. Because Hollywood goes where the money is. If there's money in this, that means they're going to try and do more of this. And it's not going to change until audiences to stop supporting it. Especially that initial weekend. Like, that initial weekend is so important to studios... That the only way to really affect change is for people to wait. The best thing you can do to change the studio's mind is to wait, and then they'll then they'll start to see that you know then they'll see there's not an immediate revenue source available. But yeah, Transformers: The Last Night, just as generic and uh, and and flashy as the last uh, last one in the series. And honestly, I I, I can't care anymore. So, 
Expect one sentence review for the next one. Just Transformers 6. It exists. Moving on. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be a short episode because I haven't even broken 10 minutes yet. And we're already getting to the... Because I haven't... Once again, I haven't been able to stream anything. I've been catching up on Amazing World of Gumball, but I'm not finished with it yet. And I don't want to comment on the series until I've finished. And the other things I've been watching has been YouTube videos. And that's not all that interesting. So... That's all that that's all for the reviews. <laughs> Short episode this week, but uh yeah, uh we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna play you one of our fine Gumby Cat associates, and uh then we'll get back into the discussion portion. Into every generation a slayer is born. One girl in all the world, a chosen one, and alongside her are the watchers. We are the watchers. Once More With Feeling is a 20th anniversary Buffy fancast where we gather and watch episodes of Buffy, discuss them, and release it every Tuesday. Grr. Arg. I was never into the Transformers series for the most part. The initial push of Transformers was before I was born. And by the time I was born and able to, you know, remember things, I was up to the point, they were up to the point of Beast Wars. So I grew up with Transformers Beast Wars, not so much the original series. I mean, the original movie came out in 1986. That was two years before I was born. So that initial push of the fandom was... You know, kids that were born in the late 70s, mostly. Or, uh, yeah, late 70s, really early 80s, depending on how young they were. And I never got into the series. I know, um, Thales is a big fan. Uh, I think, at least, en at least enough of a fan to point out, you know, stuff about the old series. But, yeah, I never got into the old stuff. I did check out, uh, Transformers Animated a bit while I was there. It was the kind of Teen Titans style animation that they did. I know they're doing one that's preschool aged called Rescue Bots and then there's uh, a one that's more, you know, young adult, preteen age uh, Transformers uh, currently. But yeah, I, I never got into it. It was just never my bag. Uh, I think it's, I think it come. I think that stems from the fact that I was more into stuff like Pokemon and Dino Riders and um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was more into uh, flesh-based flesh kind of creations more than mechanical ones. Like, uh, yeah, but, I mean, if you're into cars, Transformers is perfect for you. 
I also feel like because I grew up with Beast Wars, I was more into that because, once again, even though they're mechanical, they're animals. I was more into, you know, living, living material kind of stuff. I wasn't into cars and, you know, things of that nature. But, yeah, I mean, that isn't to say that you can't do a good Transformers property, you know, for guys like me. But at the same time, I feel like Michael Bay has watered down what worked about the Transformers movies and what the property itself. I feel like that's why the comics and everything else, it's able to do things that people can enjoy more than what Michael Bay has done, which has made a generic action movie. And so, what, in lieu of any other discussion I could have at this point, I'm going to go and try and do what I've been trying to set up before, uh, which is a make a better movie. Um, it was an initial, it was initial push for my Patreon. I've been holding back on the Patreon now since number one, it hasn't gotten any patrons, and number two, it's also where we're debating on Gumby Cat whether or not to have personal Patreons. And so I'm not going to worry about Patreon so much, but instead I'm good. I am going to try and do make a better make a better movie segments and in lieu of a full on podcast. So I think uh, you know if there's nothing else I want to talk about, I'll do a make a better movie on something. You know something tangentially related to the movies that came out that week. And so let's get into how to make a better Transformers movie. Now. The one place I always like to start is what works currently. And sadly, I honestly don't think anything is working currently with this with Michael Bay's Transformers. I feel like m there's more wrong with it than what's actively working. Like what he's doing is working for other people, but I feel like it doesn't work as a means of telling the story of the Transformers. So Right off the bat, I make like keep some of the action. Like there are Michael Bay does usually film good action sequences, although lately he's been making convoluted, you know, scattershot messes. He's apparently in his Jackson Pollock phase of action movies. But yeah, what does work? Who? Where do we start? Um, number one, too much focus on the human characters. For a movie about transforming cars, there are way too many humans in this entire franchise. We need to we need to pull back on the humans. We don't need that many humans. The whole series has never been a, the series is only focused on the on the actual aliens themselves because that's what the franchise is about. Like imagine a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where it was all about the people who worked at April's new studio. And Casey Jones. And it was never... And you never saw the tur the turtles. Like, why would you do that? What is the point of doing that? When the characters in the title are what the people came to see, why are you focusing so much on these nobodies? On these people that you don't even... That you don't even care about? Because that's the other thing. The characters are not only underdeveloped, they're completely stereotypical. Mark Wahlberg is pretty much every Mark Wahlberg character he's played for the last decade. Even going back to uh, Sam Witwicky with uh, Shia LaBeouf. He was just a generic, bumbling kid. Then you've had the racial stereotypes, the, you know, the, the sexist stereotypes. Everything is a stereotype to Michael Bay because he doesn't like to think. 
He doesn't like to develop characters. He may have before. I don't. You know, I don't. I can't say to what degree he developed characters in The Rock and and uh, Bad Boys, but lately he don't care. He doesn't care about having actual characters. He's he likes making live action, boring cartoons. Because as much as I want to say they're cartoon characters, cartoons are way more developed than anything Michael Bay has put to screen, honestly. And then, of course, the biggest part, the fact that the Transformers all look the same. They're all the same generic, gray-looking, overly-designed hunk of junk. And no matter what they do to try and differentiate them, they all look like garbage. Like, the old series, they looked like toys, which is what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to sell toys. But pretty much every animated iteration of the Transformers has had good design work in order to sell you on this character. Michael Bay wants to try and sell the fact that there are like all these intricate moving parts, which seems like a bad idea because it feels like there's way more that can go wrong and break down if you have that many moving components. And I feel like it misses the point of having all these different Transformers characters because why would you care about this generic looking Transformer or this generic looking Transformer when you can't tell them apart? And then of course the big one, aside from that, uh. The fact that the plots make no damn sense. Like, he try, he's trying to... Like, they try to do end-of-the-world, like, world-domination-style plots with the Decepticons. But they get completely lost in all of the convoluted world creation that, they're, that they do when, by trying to tie it back to the dinosaurs or Ancient Man or King Arthur. Like, none of that has anything to do with anything. Just tell a story about Autobots fighting the Decepticons. It shouldn't be that hard. Like, I, I was just talking about this, and I think uh, in one of my Facebook groups I'm a member of, we were talking about how convoluted and... Or make, no, it was on Twitter, someone was talking about it. And the whole... And the thing that... The thing that I had to point out was they were talking about uh, Optimus Prime as Jesus, and I was like, yeah... They literally resurrected him with somebody that they also killed and then resurrected. It's so overly complicated that it does that ultimately detracts from the movie itself. It doesn't need to be this complicated. It's like they're adding all of these weird details where it doesn't matter, and they're neglecting the parts where it's important. Like think of it as a car. Think of your think of you designing a car. Michael Bay puts all his effort into the engine and the muffler and into the panel, the, the, the dashboard panel and the instrument panel. He never puts any effort into the wheels or the seats or how, you know, he might put some design work onto the body but to make it look like some hideous monstrosity. But in trying to make it a functioning car... He is more interested in these weird, unimportant details than in how to make the car go forward. You know what I'm saying? That's, and that's, that's been his problem, is that he's been so hung up on these weird, unimportant details. Not him. Michael Bay doesn't care. He's not the one writing the script. There's a bunch of, bunch of jerk-offs. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a group that mocks the... That, that's, that's called... Uh, asterisk, shaking fists, millennials! 
as a, and, a, and it's all about how people are you know all the all the weird places that the internet goes in blaming millennials for things uh millennials being the generation after generation x that were born in the late 80s going into the 90s and then at the beginning of the century i don't although they never we're never quite sure like i've heard millennials go back to when i was born or millennials are the ones that are born around the turn of the uh, turn of the millennium the year 2000 I've heard it both ways, but basically millennials are the most current generation. They're the ones that are graduating from college now. They're the ones that, you know, are the are the are the youngest adult generation. So I think that's us. I think we're post Gen X right now. I think my sister and brother were Gen X, and I think my brother and I are gen, are uh, technically millennials. But um, one of the guys, one of the posts in that group was somebody complaining about. How millennials can't write the Transformers. And the problem with his argument is that these movies are written by Gen Xers. In fact, the lead story, the credit, goes to a guy who was born in 1962. He's a boomer. So the guy in charge of the story is a boomer, and the guys who are in charge of the script writing are Gen Xers. This is what happens when you make assumptions. I mean, even I'm making terrible assumptions, but yeah, this is so. Yeah, this this isn't millennials' fault because these are made by Gen Xers. These are made by people who should have grown up on the show, but obviously didn't and don't care. Um, before I go into what I would change, I want to point out a couple of movies that obviously get the property they're working with. Most most recently, Captain Underpants. Dave Pilkey, uh, who wrote the original series was a producer and helped on the story editing story writing aspect of the of this movie he was involved and because of that what he put into that original book series was seen on the screen i'm trying to think of something else um oh another one of my uh brain candy movies pacific rim the people who wrote and worked on pacific rim are people who loved watching kaiju movies they love those kaiju movies so much they wanted to make their own that's why pacific Rim works in the same vein as gamera godzilla ultraman all of those properties is because those people who the people who made that movie are people who are fans of that original property of those original properties and of that genre when you're a fan of something it shows I mean, even uh, Lord and Miller, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I believe, uh, when they work on stuff, they may not even be fans of that original thing, but they know how to incorporate that original thing into the movie, into the property that they're working on. So 21 Jump Street, they they probably didn't care about the thing. It was a silly little teeny, teeny crime drama show with Johnny Depp. And they decided to incorporate elements from the show into the plot line and make it work in a more comedic sense. Lego Movie. Everything about the Lego Movie works for people who love Lego. Uh, they get references to all kinds of things for people who grew up on Lego. Like, even one of the characters was a reference character. Charlie Day's character, the Spaceman, is based on an actual Lego character that was a Spaceman character from the 80s. 
So all of these things about the Lego movie are from people who love Legos. And then Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Simple kid story. Shouldn't, shouldn't even make a 30-minute animated special, let alone a full-length animated feature. But they took what took everything about that book and expanded it areas of character development and universe building in a way that adds to that initial story where there wasn't any. That's why those work. These things that are, you know, these things that I'm mentioning are from people who loved that initial property, whether it be or people who worked on that initial property in Dave Pilkey's case. You've got people who love and care about this initial thing to the point where they want to make the best version of this thing possible. And you and where and on and where you get stuff like Gem and the Holograms, the most recent Power Rangers movie, Transformers, you get people who want to make a buck off that property without realizing what people initially liked about that property. So, to segue into the last segment, what would I do to make a Transformers movie? Well, for starters, we focus solely, not solely, we have some human characters. We focus mostly on the Autobots and then sometimes on the Decepticons so that we're getting an equal amount or a somewhat equal amount of both characters. We're focusing on the battle between the Autobots and the Decepticons. That's the big focus. We're not worrying about all these unnecessary details. We're not worrying about weird secret government agencies or anything like that. We're not worrying about the secret history of Transformers and Earth. We're not trying to do anything stupid like that. We're just focusing on the fact that the Transformers fought a war on Cybertron and that war was brought to Earth. Now what do we do? That's what we focus on. And we, fo and we have a main staple of characters. We focus on Auto Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Jazz, um, Ratchet, I think, is the, uh, is the ambulance guy. You have a main staple of characters that you work with. And then you, on, on the Decepticons, you have Megatron, Starscream, Soundwave, all of that. And then you focus on how they integrate into human society. And the whole idea being that they're trying to hide from most people, but ultimately, they're trying to blend in initially until the battle leads to involve the humans, in which case, then it stops being about hiding and more about cooperating with one another and the humans teaming up with whatever side they identify with more. Because, I mean, that's the thing. Decepticons worked with humans as well. They just didn't respect humans at all. Of course, one of the humans they worked with was a, it was a stereotypical racist uh, Arab nation called Karbamistan. That is a literal thing that happened in the 80s Transformers movies. So I guess Michael Bay using racist stereotypes isn't new for the series. Yeah, well. Anyway, um, but yeah, you focus on the what the, whatever little human interaction there is. It be, it becomes about how the Autobots try to side with humanity and prove that that they're at, that they're allies, and the Decepticons subverting that. We do get some of that in the plot lines, but it's so lost that it doesn't even matter. And. The other thing, the main thing I would do, aside from the story elements, is simplify the designs. No, we don't need all gray stuff. We need to be able to differentiate between the giant hunks of metal. 
So Bumblebee needs to look away that that says this is Bumblebee. In fact, the main thing, the main ones you can identify in the series, Bumblebee, Optimus, Megatron. Those are the big ones. Those are the only ones you can pick out from a lineup. The rest doesn't even matter. They 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 just they 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 look like every other giant hunk of of gray running around on the screen. It doesn't matter. They don't they don't look like unique characters. They look like um my, uh Pat Novel makes this joke all the time. Fudgy the whale and Cookie Puss, uh the uh Carvel ice cream, Carmel ice cream, uh whoever the ice cream guy is, uh whoever does Cookie Puss and Fudgy the whale, they're the same mold flipped upside down. And that's what these characters feel like. These designs feel like slight changes to the same mold in order to make pretty much identical color-swapped characters. It, they don't look unique. I mean, the most unique design that Michael Bay's come up with is a fat robot, which doesn't make any sense, played by John Goodman. And it, 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 he's chomping on a metal cigar. Like, how is... Uh, it, it all of his designs have been l just stupid. I mean, we've had two movies which feature the Dinobots, some of the most memorable designs in the entire franchise. None of they've all been boring and wasted. They've just been gen just generic metallic dinosaur looking things and they don't play and they don't, they're barely used in the entire plot. Why would you waste the Dinobots? They're some of the best Transformers in the entire franchise. Even I know the Dinobots. Once again, because I love my dinosaurs. But seriously, Grimlock is one of the best characters in the franchise. He's someone that people gravitate towards, aside from Megatron and Optimus and Bumblebee and all these other, you know, of all the characters in the franchise, people love Grimlock. I mean, he, he is kind of, you know... Simple, he's you know, simple-minded, me Grimlock am best Transformer. But that's the whole point. He's supposed to be a cocky little, cocky, ignorant boob. He's supposed to be he's a comedic character. and We haven't had that. We've never... We, uh, you've completely wasted some of the best characters in the entire franchise. What the hell, man? I'm losing my voice thanks to the freaking allergies or sinus problems or whatever. I don't even know. But yeah, simplify the designs. Make each character look different. Apply different color schemes. Apply more than just gray. So much generic gray. There are other colors in the world, Michael Bay. Start using them. Uh, next thing, don't introduce more characters than you can handle. You don't, you, you unless... They're ultimately some part of the plot or a plot line. We don't need them in this movie. Like, characters are dropped throughout all of the Michael Bay movies. They'll have a character there show up for one point, and then they're just gone. Unless you can utilize them throughout the movie, we don't need them. I mean, it was the, that was one of the problems with the Smurfs, Smurfs movie that came out this year. We focused so much on this one group of Smurfs that the other Smurfs weren't all that necessary. Actually, I feel like that's way better. Like, you want to have a stable of characters to choose from, but the plot line should only focus on a handful of characters. 
Otherwise, it gets convoluted and it becomes a, a, a tangled mess, like leaving your headphones in a pocket. And um, the big thing, I think, that we can get once we get Michael Bay and his studio out of there, ideally, none, but practically speaking, less. Very few racist and sexist jokes. Ideally, we should cut them all out, but given the nature of the beast, at this point, let's just cut down to as few as possible. Because that, was, that has been one of the biggest issues with this entire franchise, especially the longer it's gone on. All of the black stereotypes, the, 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 one of the, the Japanese samurai car stereotype, all of the sexist depictions of women that are only there as eye candy. Like, even in this last movie, there is a woman who has a supposed PhD from Oxford, and she looks like the teacher from a penthouse forum letter. Dear penthouse forum, I never thought it would happen to me. My super hot English professor finally started coming on to me. That's what she looks like in this movie. And yet, somehow, despite how hot she is, apparently she doesn't get laid at all. And she focuses too much on her work. And this woman needs to get laid. This woman needs a man in her life. I'm going to throw up. Just why? Why is this still a thing? Why are we still perpetuating this stupid, stupid character type? We can do better, damn it. We can, do, we can write better characters, damn it. So yeah, so yeah, cut all that garbage out. It's all superfluous and it's unnecessary and it's ultimately it's just offensive and unnecessary. Not only is it unnecessary, it's offensively unnecessary. It's so it's unnecessary and offensive. It's unnecessarily offensive because Michael Bay is a damn thirteen-year-old boy, and so are his writers. Just. Ugh, I'm so sick of his garbage. And then lastly, slow down the action. Action is great. That's one of the main staples of this franchise. As it's gone on, it's been a complete cluster fart. I need to come up with a cleaner version of saying that word. But it's been a complete mess. It's been a hot, hot, steaming mess. And... What we need to do, and that's the whole point, we've been getting all these great action movies that slow down the action and make sure you can see what is going on. It is okay for us to see what's going on. We don't need things everywhere. Like, just simplify. Simplify the action. We don't need everything happening all at once. It can be streamlined. And... So what ultimately, here's how I picture a Transformers movie. We open up in the tail end of the war for Cybertron. Uh, and just before the planet explodes, so that we're reminded that the focus is on the Transformers. Once the planet explodes, we focus on the two ships leaving the atmosphere and heading out into the universe. We cut to however many years, however many millennia later, however long it takes to get from Cybertron to Earth, and we have both sides land on the on the Earth, 
And once they land, uh, they land out in the middle of nowhere for the most part. Um, maybe do a one, maybe do a quick thing, uh, a scene of somebody finding the Decepticons and them crushing the human and showcasing that they are the bad, you know, showcasing how the Decepticons care not for the Earth and the, the people there. And then focus on them and then allow them to access the internet and then find a way to, well, that's the problem is the Transformers look like things on their home world that wouldn't be, that would be on our world. So I feel like they, the, the idea that they're copying other, you know, the things from our world makes sense. So, you know, I would have them do something like that. And they did that in the first movie pretty well. I feel like keep holding on to that idea that they discover, you know, something, a means of, like, first, like, I, I think the, the first thing you need to recognize is the Autobots don't want to expose themselves. They want to remain hidden because they don't understand this planet yet. And then it isn't until they start making friends with human characters that they start to open up and show their show their show their true forms. That part, the first movie, kind of got right. And the, the Skepticons are the ones who expose what they truly are. They're the ones who are showcasing the you know the battle between the battle that's supposed to be going on. I do think the first movie did hit on something that's interesting where the Transformers are already here. But I feel like it didn't do, like, I feel like if you're going to do that, they want, you want them all to be here all for, for the first, you know, first, rather than having some be here and then having more fall later. I feel like the first thing is they should all be together to simplify things. And so, you know, all these characters, you know, you have these you have the Autobots, you know, copy the cars on the road. So, uh, Optimus Prime covers the truck with tra with the tra with a trailer, not, not with the trailer because the trailer was a accessory toy. But Bumblebee would co would uh, copy a yellow car. Uh, Ratchet would copy an ambulance. Uh, it, that sort of thing. They would all be copying cars that are traveling down the highway, and then they reach an they reach a point where they all transform and drive off. And then they find a, an abandoned place where they can uh, regroup. That, you know, that sort of thing. And then the Decepticons are the ones that are regrouping on their own. They're killing any humans that get in their way. And then the, at the same time, they're, you know, they're finding out more about this planet and how to take over it. If there are sources of energon here, things of that nature. And then ultimately, the, the, you have the Autobots discover that the Decepticons are here. They work with the Autobots work with the humans to help them fight off the Decepticons, and the Decepticons retreat. And then you build up from that, and then the fight. So the final battle is Autobots fighting the Decepticons, and then revealing to the humans that they are there to help. And then the next movie, and then the future installments would be the Transformers. You know, you know, further involvement on the human in the human world. And how to, and how they're going to, what they're going to do now that they've lost Cybertron. I feel like that's the thing. We don't need to recreate Cybertron. I feel like that's a really stupid plot. And once again, <laughs> they joked about this in Suicide Squad, the portal in the sky. They do that in this movie too. So once again, it's just all kinds of generic 
action movie garbage BS that it, it keeps getting repeated in every single movie. So that Rob Walker executive character that's got a fetish for portals in the sky got his got his hands on Transformers the last night. Uh, I love Rob Walker. I think he's very underappreciated. You know, as a comedian, you know, a lot of his style of humor is what makes it into the into the nostalgia critic, and I love it. So that's kind of what I would how I would tackle this series. It would be focusing mainly on the Transformers and then slowly start to integrate them into human society and eventually adding more and more characters and, you know, expanding the stable of characters while focusing on the main ones that would sell the toys. Because that's the thing. You, the, there are Hasbro property and the main focus is the toy sales. So focus on the characters that are the most toyetic and then with each new installment introduce more, you know, toy-friendly characters. Thing, you know, introduce the Dinobots, introduce the Constructicons, introduce all of these characters and make a point for them. And don't make, don't, you know, stop the movie for dirty jokes, for dirty preschool quality jokes, like Bumblebee, stop lubricating the man. And I am immediately under, but I'm immediately beneath the enemy scrotum. Like, why is this in here? Why are we stopping the movie so you can be a, for so you can be a thirteen year old reprobate? What weren't we watching a movie? Damn it! I, if I wanted to hear detention, middle school detention grade humor, I would go to middle school detention. Jeez, I think it's even more. I think it's even. I think those guys are too sophisticated for this kind of humor. This is this is once again recess quality humor nothing but show recess that had some de that's had some decency dang it um but yeah that's how i picture a functioning well well you know well created you know can, you know series that cares about the franchise and what the people want what the people what i understand the people to want is to have well written you know, well, you know, well-rounded characters that it, that are based on what they grew up with, treating your treating what you grew up with with respect, respecting what you love about this friend about these characters, and that's what the, Hollywood doesn't like to do. They don't. They like to. You know what? You know what I'm reminded of? Um, I just rewatched it recently when uh, Doug and Tamra and Malcolm did. Um, Disney Afternoon, uh, there was a quick bit at the tail end where, uh, when they were covering the Mighty Ducks series, where Tamara was a um, hypothetical person proposing a f series based on the Mighty Ducks movies. And then Doug Walker play, uh, played a hypothetical executive who completely ruined that initial thing. Can we make it ducks because people like anthropomorphic animals? And can we make and can we make it animated? You know, it's all these different weird tweaks. And can we make them from another dimension where everybody plays hockey? That's nothing like I what I wanted to do. But it's like everything I wanted to do. Hug me, you know. And it's like that's. I feel like that's the kind of thing that goes on with these you know established franchises. Is the executives they don't care. And once again, some executives are downright crazy. Um, let me pull up the guy. There's, I remember, uh, I remember, uh, Kevin, 
uh, Kevin Smith from, um, you know, the guy behind View Askew uh, talking about this. Uh, let me pull up the IMDb for the producer. There was a producer who worked on all these different Superman movies. And one of his obsessions was having a having a giant spider in the movie. Here, let me um let me do that. John Peters. Um okay, so John so let me pull up Kevin Smith John Peters. So I so I know what I'm talking about. Here, hold on. Give me a second. Okay, it was from one of his um uh what what would you call it? It was like one man show kind of audience Q and A specials from the from I believe the early two thousands. It was kind of grainy footage that I saw, so it was probably like the early two thousands or so. And he was talking about um, the, it, he went into the history of him being called in the Warner Brothers, and he eventually made his way to John Peters, who had just finished producing Batman and a bunch of other stuff, and like. It was like the most surreal description I've ever heard. Like, first of all, he said to Kevin Smith, we get Superman because we're from the streets. Then he says he doesn't want Superman to have to be in the costume. He doesn't want him to fly. And they have to fight a giant spider in the third act. No costume because it looks faggy. No fags. Which is the weirdest thing. It's the Where does that come from? Uh, no flying because that's bowl it's bs and then he's, he has this weird fascination with spiders and i remember this specifically that kevin smith talking about john peters wanting a giant spider in the superman movie apparently this has been an ongoing thing where this guy just he was just obsessed about getting a giant spider in a movie and then finally got it in wild wild west and it was the dumbest thing anyone's ever saw ever seen put the film like why do we have a giant spider and i think that's the kind of thing and this is the thing john peters used to be barbara streisand's hairdresser and they somehow landed a producing gig you know he finally kim smith said fail in hollywood you fail upwards and apparently just knowing the right people means you can go from doing barbara streisand's hair to producing movies and putting giant spiders in things they weird, weird guy. You know, just that guy's that guy could be a fun session on a on a therapist's couch trying to dig into that psyche. <laughs> but um, so I think that's the problem is that most executives in Hollywood, most producers, are like that guy. I'm assuming they they want to put their thumbprints and their fingerprints all over a project so that everyone knows I did this. This was my baby, and ultimately leads to a lower quality product because those producers usually don't care about the initial source material. They just want something to put their name on and let people know that this was me. This was my doing. I did this. And especially when things go like that, that's when you can tell that nobody cared about the project going in because it's like, I want everyone to know that I was doing this. This was me. Me, 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 me. Anyway, uh, that's about all I got. So, I mean, yeah, I think going along the lines of something like a, you know, something more faithful to the original series, 
something more along the lines of like a, a sequel to the uh, Battle for Cybertron, the War for Cybertron, and the Fall for Cybertron games. Like, imagine the end of those games leading directly into into a movie, and then we go into something where it's more like the TV show. That's what I'm picturing. But the problem is most studios want to go weird directions and it, and it ultimately detracts from the final product because you're making something that's not faithful to what people came to see. It's the reason why I stopped reading books before going to see a movie. Because when I, I did this for um, The Golden Compass, I think I've told this story where I I waited. I made sure to you know, just barrel my way through um, The Golden Compass book. And it, I the movie had long since left the theaters. But I was like, I'm not going to watch this movie until I read this book. I want to know what's going on. And I finally got through the book and I loved it so much. And I think it's such a great book. I highly recommend His Dark Materials. So it's just great series. You know, based on that first book. I should go back and read the next ones. But when I finally got to through that book and I watched the movie, I was pissed. I was so pissed at just how watered down and how much it completely missed what worked and what was great about that source material to make a Harry Potter knockoff. I was so pissed. Just, just flipping tables mad. I was table flipping mad at that movie. It's part of the reason why I don't much care for the third Harry Potter movie, even though it's, you know, co you know collectively considered the best of the series. Personally, I prefer um, Half-Blood Prince. I think that one's my personal favorite. Uh, yeah, I think that one's my go-to. I think, th I think um, both parts of ha uh, Deathly Hallows... Uh, lose a lot because so much of the book was based on events that happened within the books that never translated to the screen. But um, I feel like my favorite... I need to go back and rewatch them, but I feel like my favorite was Half-Blood Prince overall. But I feel like... Yeah, I feel like so much was changed for um, Prisoner of Azkaban that it completely lost the what happened in the book in order to just make something that was completely di that ultimately was different from the book compared to the other material because you know, before then the movies were pretty standard translation from book to screen and then we got the prisoner of azkaban it just went so many different ways about telling the story that i was like what's wrong with what you're what what's wrong with what's there why did you do the thing that was there and i think that's kind of my you know my speed bump to liking the movie if you will that's my hurdle that I, I still am, haven't quite jumped yet because I liked the Prisoner of Azkaban book and to see it kind of mismanaged in my viewpoint, in my point of view, to um, to what it became, I was like, well, why? And that's the thing. The guy's a great director and it's not like it's a bad movie. I was just like, no, thought that the book was, it was just fine. Why are you doing it different? You know, once again, to go back to those to those Hitatsumi trolls from Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridged. Why is it different? I don't like different! Um, I have to go back and rewatch the Harry Potter movies, give my opinions on them again. It's been almost a decade now, jeez. Uh, so, that, so yeah, that, that, that's how I, that's kind of, in a roundabout way, how I would, how I picture a functioning Transformers series. 
that's better than what we've got now. And I feel like more people would gravitate towards that series than what than the than just the generic Bay stuff because most of that seems to be relying more on on international audiences anyway because the American audiences would rather spend their money on things that are more interesting. And uh, but you know who you know, like like the opening weekend it seemed like let me double check I I think I saw through the numbers that the opening weekend was forty five million dollars for this for uh, this one uh, weekend domestic chart forty five million dollar gross total gross sixty nine million now let's compare that to where the other ones stood uh, let's go to box office mojo. And compare uh, Transformers with the other ones. Here, wait a minute. Uh, franchises. And Transformers. Uh, opening weekends. Invalid chart, damn it. Uh, you know, hold on. I have to get the numbers myself. Hold on. Okay, for some reason it won't let you do the um, the the week you know weekend of release uh, numbers, but here's what. But so with the with the tabs open in in with each movie in a separate tab, here's what we've got: the initial Michael Bay Transformers opened to seventy million dollars. Uh, the the Revenge of the Fallen opened to hundred and eight. The Dark of the Moon number three opened to. Uh, just around 100 million, 97 for the initial weekend, and then 115 million with the addition of July 4th. Uh, Age of Extinction opened to 100 million dollars, and then now um, the estimates are are in at 45 million to 69 million. So this is the lowest performing opening weekend for a Michael Bay Transformers movie. This is. If this if these numbers are correct, uh, come Monday, then this is performing lower than that first Transformers movie because even the last one came in with a hundred million dollars opening weekend. That was the biggest chunk of and the, the overall uh, gross for these three hundred for the first movie, four hundred for the second, three hundred fifty for the third, two hundred forty five for the fourth. So I mean. That opening ch opening weekend is the biggest chunk of their money. It's like I said, that initial push from opening weekend is what made them their most money. But it looks like this is if this is if the numbers are correct here, this is going to be the lowest performing Transformers movie. And hopefully that sets a good that 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 shows that uh, that pushes them in a better direction. But let me double check going back to the first one where the foreign um gross went uh by country by let's do by weekend now uh, the only uh how high did it grow uh total foreign gross 390 for the first one 435 434 million for the second 700 million foreign for the third 800 foreign 800 million so it almost pushed up over a billion dollars for the foreign uh budget for the foreign uh grow you know box office gross and how is it doing foreign currently 
almost $200 million. So most of the, so it seems, like I was saying, foreign markets are more into these generic, uninteresting, you know, flash, you know, flashy action movies than American audiences are. Because the numbers in America keep going down, while it seems like the numbers around the world keep going up. Uh, here we go. Foreign total for the first weekend in uh, for the last movie was $200 million. So weekend of release in weekend of release in uh in the foreign markets was two hundred million dollars, uh, whereas this time around it seemed to just be about the same. So yeah, it looks like they're doing about the same weekend of release in the foreign markets. So you know people in other countries they're willing to pay for this crap. And, and once again, I feel like there's that lost in translation effect where I feel like they get a better movie than what we get. I don't know. I I still need. For uh, people in other markets to show, you know, show me the evidence for that. But I, you know, until then, it's it's just a theory, a film theory. I've given up on Matt Pat. Yeah, I think I've gotten I've gotten bored of his shtick. Ultimately, uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, but that about does it for the discussion portion. So uh, let's let's talk about where I stand in my next flick fantasy film league. Uh, as a reminder. Uh, my uh, breakdown was I had Chris Pine and Zoe Kravitz starring with Danny Houston, Stanley Tucci, Kevin Hart, Kate McKinnon, Nick Kroll, and Cristela Alonso and, uh, in, uh, as the rest of the cast, and then Edgar Wright as writer-director. And we're going to have to wait and see how well Baby Driver does and The House, because that's where, um, when, no, well, The House will add to Nick Kroll. I don't have anybody else in the house. All of my other guys are, have been picked. And it seems like I I bet poorly on Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> she hasn't been doing as well as uh, the other ones. Stanley Tucci should nab... Stanley Tucci is going to nab me. Uh, one for this weekend, I know that. And then... Uh, I know... Uh, I know that I hope that Baby Driver does a good job its final weekend, because that'll be the very end. Uh, and that'll be for Edgar Wright's part. Um, yeah, so my biggest performers have been Chris Pine and Danny, Danny Houston and Cristela Alonso because they topped the box office with Wonder Woman and Cars 3. I feel like I should have picked more from them because Kevin Hart didn't perform as well. Uh... Nick Kroll should hopefully bag me some more because they'll have two movies out at the same time. But Kate McKinnon and Zoe Kravitz, they just couldn't bring in... Rough Night didn't bring in anybody. And I feel like that. I feel like I misjudged how many people were interested in that movie. So um, we'll see how the end of the month comes about. We're about a couple of weeks out. I think the first... The first my first uh, episode in July, I'll review how I did in June. And which which begs the which means I have to start looking into my July. Oh crap! We're almost done with June. I have to look. I have to set up my July. Oof. All right. Uh, but overall, I am third. Uh, Kevin and Dan Daniel's the top by picking mostly people from uh, Wonder Woman. It seems uh, he's got Gal Gadot, Patty Jenkins. Alana Glazer and Jillian Bell, who didn't do it. And he, he, so he picked pretty much everybody from... We picked a lot of people from 
from Rough Night, which he, he made the same mistake I did. But he got also got Sophia Botella, Annabelle. He got a bunch of people from the Mummy. He also got he so and he's also got like Catherine Keener from Get Out, Bradley Whitfair from Get Out. Alice, so he's managed to pick a much larger cast and and pick the right people to help him out on both the box office side and the uh, DVD side. And then Kevin has Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Cristela Alonso, Patty Jenkins, Danny Houston, David Thewlis, uh, Owen Wilson, Kumail Nanjiani. Um, it was Owen Wilson in. Oh, Owen Wilson was in Cars 3. I forgot that. Uh, but it looks like he done something similar where he... he they predict... Both Kevin and Daniel uh, predicted what good things for The Mummy. I thought I, I thought I could put my money on uh, <laughs> on Rough Night and I should have planned better. I think I need to start looking into... I think I need to do what um, Dan's doing and pick a bigger cast of smaller people that are slated for bigger movies. That seems to be the thing that's winning him because that's I think that's he did he did that for both months and he's been topping it out so far. Uh, but that's our that's this installment of uh, the next flick fantasy film week, and we're finally about to round out the episode with some trailer talk. So we've got three new releases, wide releases at least for this weekend, in order to make up for the one we've had this past weekend. Uh, first up, my most anticipated one for the month: Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. Shop. Let's talk it. The target is an armored truck. God, I love the soundtrack. Switch card, baby. Long stay parking structure. Start in the AM. Questions. I got a question, Doc. Why would I believe phones over here hear the goddamn word you said? He ain't even listening. Baby. The target is an armored truck at Perimeter Trust in Dunwoody, 10 a.m. sharp. The switch car is ready, but you want me to hit the long stay parking structure and get a high vehicle that stays colder longer? It needs to be ready for an 8.30 start. Questions? <laughs> uh, I do like that the group seem to be a lot more integrated. Like, uh, there's an Asian guy with the Jamie Foxx crew, and then there's a female heist, uh, someone performing a heist with John Hamm as a woman. I need you behind the wheel. One more job and I'm done. One more job and we're straight. From Edgar Wright. Hey, baby. Why is he listening to music all the time? He had an accident when he was a kid. He's got mental problems? I'm the one got the mental problems in the crew. Position taken. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y, Baby. <laughs> in this business. The moment you catch feelings. The moment you catch a bullet. Yeah, I'm wondering how Jamie Foxx plays into this now. And I'm not doing this job without you. Your uh, waitress girlfriend, she's cute. Let's keep it that way. Kevin Spacey looks amazing. I have to drop again. It's not what I want. And what do you want? To get out of here. You win. I'm in, baby. Don't be Four hours and they descended upon by this entire city. Have you been talking about us? Supposed to squirrel on the road, not to the cops. We're getting out. I have to end this. What's happening, baby? Ah. Uh, Ancilla, oh, just all kind. That's some Oscar shit right there. Yeah. Three. 
sorry, ma'am. What the? F <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I, re I I can't wait for that. I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm just happy to see more Edgar Wright in theaters, just because I love the guy. I think he needs to make more movies. But, you know, at the same time, I'd rather he take a couple of years and make something really good than to keep making the same crap every single year. Uh, so that's the big one. The next one I'm kind of looking forward to. We'll see how it looks. Uh, it could go either way. But we've got The House with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. God, no, I, I don't want to click it. I'm not going to click it. Why don't you click it? If they say no to you, I say we say no to them. If they don't want my baby, they're stupid. I got it! <laughs> when I became a dad, I made a choice to support my daughter's dreams. You don't have enough money. It says right here we have $401,000. Jackpot. You missed it. Uh, that says you have a 401k account. Alex thinks we can afford tuition and we can't. We I'm surprised neither of them know what a 401k is. Even I know what a 401k is. Welcome. I have a way for you guys to make four years tuition in one month. Underground casino. The math seems to check out. Do this math. You're 40 years old and you go to jail for 20 years. How old are you when you get out? 90. No. 100. Honey. If I have some scratch paper, I can figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I would think Amy Poehler would know what a 401k like is. You gotta look like Vegas. We've got a nail salon, massages. You're never gonna believe what's in this next room. Is it a strip club? What's up with that kid? That kid's 11. He's a fantastic DJ. Drop that beat! Amazing. All right, Mama Lies. I think Ellie uh, Kemper is in this too. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. But you need to shut up. What did you just say? So hard being a parent. What's <laughs> she going on with those three? We're gonna bet on our friends fighting. We're a casino. Have you ever heard of fight night? Martha and Laura are pretty good in there. They both take the same MMA class at the Y. Oh, daughter. I don't know why I love are those women's sunglasses? No, they're Italian. I feel like a badass bitch. I'm not gonna tell my daughter she can't go to college, so we resorted to a life of crime. Amazing, amazing. Guys, we got a problem. Cheating. We gotta send a message, like De Niro and Casino. You think you can cheat us? What are you guys gonna do about it anyway? Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm gonna do this. No, I'm gonna do this. Hey, hey, hey. Don't play around with come on. Tell your friends if they mess with that, this is what they're gonna get. <laughs> I can only imagine how that scene's gonna play out in the movie. Uh, it's good. It's good stuff. I like it. Uh, so yeah, like I said, that could go either way as far as uh, quality, but I, I'm hoping it's, you know, if it's anything like the trailer, then we're, we should be in for a fun time. And then the last new release for the weekend is gonna be Despicable Me. Three. I wonder if this trailer has freaking Eminem in it. Jeez. All right. Here we go. Oh, here. Let's do the latest trailer. See how that one... There it is. Shortly after you and your brother were born, your father and I divorced, and we each took one son. Obviously, <laughs> I got second pick. I have a twin brother. Yeah, seriously. What is this? Ah, good. 
So, how are things career-wise? Ha <laughs> ha, great! You let the most wanted villain just get away! You're fired! Those are great! Crushing it. I brought you here to continue the family business. Villainy is in your blood. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I left that life behind me. I understand. Hmm. I wonder what this does. Holy moly! Become a villain again. That's pretty nice. Why is? Like Trey Parker, now Eminem's doing the trailer music. There's always a blind guy. Nothing. Uh. Hello, Guru. What about that? What? Oh, God, they're advertising Sing in their own movie. We don't need minions set to Eminem music. I saw one once. Was it fluffy? It was so fluffy. I thought I was gonna die. Villains now? <laughs> I mean, hello, sweetie. So good, but I'm so bad. Guarantee I'll be the greatest thing you ever had. Both on the hockey band, all the kissing please. Yeah, I think it's uh, safe to say um, when my mom, who was one of the biggest fans of the initial movie and of the minions in general, is like, I think I'm gonna skip this one. You've you done goofed. Like if you're at a point where you've taken your, you know, your most ardent fans, and you've, you know, you've, um, just crushed their spirit to the point where they don't want anything to do with your new stuff. If you've disappointed them so much that they're giving up on you, you done goofed. You have really done goofed. Uh, yeah, just the Eminem music. Like, why is Eminem doing trailer music for a, for a kids movie? Did they? Was this a new thing he did specifically for the movie, or was it just something that where they took his, an Eminem song for it? Like, minions in prison getting prison tattoos, and just uh, everything about this feels so so terrible. And we'll see how it turns out the final product uh this weekend but that about does it so with everything out of the way it is time for the plugs if you're listening to this podcast you are most likely listening to us on our current home at gumby cat networks and if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out be sure to follow us on gumbycatnetworks.com slash popcorn dash junkie that's g-o-m-b-i-e-c-a-t networks.com slash popcorn dash junkie and our lovely website is provided by the fine people at squarespace and if you want to and if you don't want to go to the website for that you can always keep up the date on the episodes as they come out on various podcatching apps i made sure that all the new episodes 
use the Gumby Cat feed for both iTunes and Google Play. So as long as you're seeing the Gumby Cat logo in the bottom, in the logo for, uh, in the um, screenshot for this episode, then you're listening to the most recent, then you're most, then you're up to date on just about everything. And uh, I'll be sure to keep the SoundCloud open as an archive, but, you know, but, you know, like I said, all the new stuff is going to be on Gumby Cat because I'm a founding member of the Gumby Cat Networks and I'm, and I'm loving their, and I'm loving what we're doing so far. Because once again, we've got my stuff. We've got Vanessa Van Alstein's our our uh, company founders podcast, Art I Swear, uh, the one where we do. We've got um one that Vanessa and I do with another podcaster, Ellie from or L from Fa- Focus on Fantasy Romance called Phantom of the Podcast. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, one I really recommend is RPG Randomly Random Podcast Generator, where uh, Jim Hansen, uh, who was a uh, who is a guy that we've uh, brought in to do a bunch of stuff with. Uh, he does, he's the current co-host with uh, Vanessa on RS where he basically, it's basically a podcast pilot program. RPG is listening to different podcasts and see engaging interest into whether or not people like them. So uh, we recently premiered something we've been working on called uh, tragic missile on uh, RPG. Uh, Jim's going to do a whole bunch of stuff. He's just recorded something He's just recorded his own movie review podcast, which I want to check out. But basically, if you want to taste, if you want a taste of all the kind of stuff that could be available to you, if you're if you're interested, check out RPG. Uh, we've got Ultimate Showdown, uh, Buffy, a Buffy fan cast, a horror movie cast. We've got a whole all kinds of stuff is available to you on Gumpy Cat Networks. Just go 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 to the net, go to the website and browse at your leisure. And uh, as far as contacting me goes. Uh, the main places you can go are Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is facebook.com slash popcornjunkie, and there I'll post announcements of new episodes, any kind of major news, any kind of uh, promotional stuff, uh, you know, like when I'm going to see a new movie, things of that nature. All that is done through the Facebook as well as fan interaction. Uh, as But if you want a more direct way to contact me, uh, you can go to Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. You know, I like to follow around other people there. I just got followed by Tay Zonday. Tay Zonday, the the singer behind Chocolate Rain, follows my podcast on Twitter. I don't know what I did to get his attention, but hey, if you're listening, Tay, good stuff. Good stuff you do over there. Uh... But yeah, if you want to keep in contact with me there, that's where you get the Facebook feed as well as two unique features to Twitter. The uh, Munch Along, which I do uh, in empty theaters for bad movies, or uh, watch if I'm watching a movie at home, I'll do a Munch Along. I'm hoping to do one this weekend. Uh, there's a good movie coming out on Netflix. Uh, well, hopefully a good movie, but it looks good. Uh, Okja. O-K-J-A. Or is it Okja? Okja? Okja. Something like that. Uh, it's from uh, Park Jun Hook, I believe is his name. Uh, let me pull him up. Let me pull up the names real quick. But he's a, uh, I believe he's the director behind uh, Jun. No, it's Jun Ho Bong, Bong Jun Ho. Uh, uh, he's the director behind The Host and Snowpiercer, and he's got a new movie coming out on Netflix this coming weekend. About uh, it's basically a girl and her monster. And it's got Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, Jake Gyllenhaal, Giancarlo Esposito, Colm Hill. It just... Is this little girl from The Host? Seo Hyun An. 
No, it is not. Although she was in Monster. So it's not the girl from The Host, but uh, they've worked previously on Monster, uh, her and um, the director. But yeah, I'm excited. It looks good. It looks like fun. It, uh, the monster is, looks like a giant tapir kind of thing. Uh, I'm excited. I hope it's good. But uh, we'll see when it comes out. I'll do a munch along for that, and you can follow. And I'll make sure to announce it on Facebook as well as Twitter. And then I also do the trailer talk segment, where if I'm seeing a movie in theaters, I comment on the trailers that uh, sh that show beforehand and give my opinions on them, whether I like the trailer or the movie or neither. And if there's anything else you want to contact me with, uh, any kind of feedback you want to give, any kind of you know messages you want me to relay, then all then all you got to do is send that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com and I'll either relay it through the, through the podcast or get back to you privately, whichever you'd prefer. And that about does it for this week. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and hey, I managed to get in a decent length episode despite only reviewing one movie. Uh, I also need to, you know, go mind my throat because apparently it's just torn to shreds. That's what it feels like. Stupid summer allergies. BS. The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. Race and sex, sex, sexist joke. Rest like what? Bless that, 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 that